Hello, it's Denise from Women Beyond a Certain Age. Our guest today is making a repeat performance because we had so much information that we wanted to cover. And she's fascinating. And it's my friend, Betty Ann Greeno. Hello, madam. Thank you for joining us again. Hello, Cindy. Hello, Denise. Hello, listeners of Women Beyond Podcast. I'm so happy to be here. Oh, honey, thank you so much. Now, let me tell you, I have already said to people they have to go to your website. We'll have all this information, of course, up on the our Facebook page. After I've already written three books, you've written three cookbooks. Isn't that right? That's right. Three cookbooks. I co-authored a history book and I illustrated an art uh, adult coloring book. They're all on Amazon. They're all on Amazon. Perfect. Now, but you are now embarking and writing, I think, which is just extraordinary, a memoir about your life and your mother and her recipes. Is that correct? That's correct. Yes. Uh, what is it going to be called? The, the title of the book is Every Ounce of Courage. So impressive. One, I read about it, so now I'm going to make you tell our listeners about it. The thing I love the most and the tagline, which is very you, if people know you, it's called Faith, Family, and Food. Yes. I think that's, I think it, Faith, Family, and Food is just about encompasses my life. And I don't think faith necessarily has to mean religion. I always say to people, you know, I, don't think of myself as a religious person, Betty Ann, but I'm very spiritual, but I have a great amount of faith. I, I believe that. You know, I have faith in my fellow man, though sometimes it's tested. I have faith in the universe. I have faith that prayers work. So I loved your tagline, faith, family, and food. So tell us, how, now, how did you decide to do this new book? Okay, how I decided what the catalyst to this writing about this uh, topic uh, happened actually over nearly 20 years ago uh, in just before the year 2000 one night at midnight as I was finishing baking uh, ensaymadas the Filipino brioche okay that takes a whole day or two days to, to you know for the dough to rise and, and to sprinkle everything and get it ready it was nearly midnight and the phone rang uh, my husband and my sons were uh, asleep by now, and nobody really calls you that late in the middle of the night unless something happens. So I was hesitant to pick it up. I let the machine take take the call because my hands were greasy. <laughs> it's, you know, they were full of butter and cheese. I'm in the kitchen, and the voice was the voice of a stranger. He was an old man. He was an American, and he said on the machine, you don't know me, but I've been looking for your mother for the last 50 years. She saved my life. You know, when I heard that, I ran to the phone. I almost slipped on the slippery floor of the kitchen, which was filled with butter. Uh, I grabbed the, the handset. And I uh, breathlessly said, hello, yes, uh, this is Betty Ann Quirino. Who is this? And he introduced himself as Bob Robert Dow. He had been in the military during World War II. Uh, he was a Purple Heart uh, recipient, a Bronze Star recipient. And he had been um, interred in at least like 
five prison camps in the Philippines. And he told me, I've been looking for your mother for the last 50 years because she saved my life and she gave me a life. And I never heard of this man, Denise. I never knew who Robert Dow was. My mother had never talked about him. I, I knew about my mother's uh, heroic war efforts as, as her daughter, but not as somebody from the outside looking in. You know, I used to yes. see the, the, the medals and the awards and the plaques um, at our home where I grew up in the Philippines. But it's one of those things you take for granted. And now, you know, he decades after the strange man calls to tell me he wants to thank my mother so for for several weeks and months mr dow and i used to call up each other remember there was no um there was no zoom yet like this it was all phone calls and he sent me uh photocopies of letters my mom sent to him which i had never seen in my life and he detailed he detailed very well. He even wrote his own memoir. He detailed very well how my mother smuggled in quinine uh, for malaria inside prison camps, risking her life to save American soldiers. Um, what happened during World War II uh, in 1942, when during the infamous Bataan Death March, Yes. Uh, mommy's brother, uh, my Uncle Willie, was captured by the enemy. He was uh, with the Philippine scouts. He was fighting alongside American soldiers. He was captured and he did the infamous Bataan Death March where they walked uh, thousands of miles, uh, hundreds of miles from one province to another to be in prison. So Uncle Willie went missing. And this was devastating for my grandmother for my mother and the, the, mommy's brothers you know to, to if, if I, I don't wish this on anyone to have that feeling of your loved one missing yes. so mom uh mommy my mom uh promised my grandma i will look for willie i will look for him if it takes all i've got i'm going to go to every prison camp and look for him now she was a woman in her late 20s she was young and beautiful very beautiful. I've seen the pictures and I just want people to know other stories that you've written about your mother are on your website and yes. they're real. It's remarkable. Well, she was for her heroic war efforts of saving American POWs. She was uh, awarded the United States Medal of Freedom twice. My God. Um, you, you know, it's only now that I'm an adult and at this age that I can fully comprehend the magnitude of the risk she that went she through. Took. That's yeah. right. She did find her brother after weeks and months and endangering her life. And she was able to get Uncle Willie released because he was very severely sick, like emaciated, sick, malnourished. But what she did was she found so many American soldiers in need of help. And she told me I could not not go back this i remember clearly she said i could not not go back i had to help those americans and she said she thought to herself that is somebody's husband somebody's brother somebody's son somebody's best friend i cannot not help him so she went on to smuggle malaria medicine 
and she saved so many lives. She also brought in food and secret notes, secret money to the soldiers. Um, and one of them was Robert Dow. My God. And that was the catalyst. And he said it took 50 years for him. He searched all over the Philippines. He searched all over Philipp uh, Philippine embassies in the United States looking for my mother. And he kept giving her name as Lulu Reyes. Yes. What he forgot was that eventually this woman married. My mother got married, changed her name, and moved to the province. Of course. So, of course, they didn't find her. When, when the internet came around in, you know, just before the year 2000, he was able to email a newspaper columnist in the Philippines. Oh, okay. And that led, one lifestyle columnist led him to my godmother, who was mommy's best friend. Yes. And my godmother said to Mr. Dow, well, I have good news for you. Her daughter now lives in the United States. You can find, you can call her up. How fabulous. And then, fast forward. So, for 20 years, Denise, that story was festering, was yes. inside me. And I was thinking, when the pandemic hit us in 2020, we were on lockdown. And I was thinking, and I, you know, during the pandemic, like everyone else, we all had these fears. Every day, somebody was dying. Yes. And I was thinking, well, are we next? Are we going to die next tomorrow? And I was thinking, how did my mother go through World War II and all the dangers she went through and the and 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 the fears and the courage? Where did she get that? Well, I was I so and now mommy has been gone since 1981, and I was thinking, well, where will I find the answers? Where will I find the courage that she had and the strength to emotionally uh, get through what we were going through in 2020? So I had no recourse but to go through folders and files of journals and stories and newspaper clippings and old recipes. And I realized, well, I have time now. We're in lockdown. So I started cooking all the traditional old recipes that haven't been published yet by anyone I started you know we had the gift of time so I started cooking and then it remembered Mr. Dow I remembered Bob Dow this man that she that she saved and I was thinking well if I don't write down mommy's stories about courage and strength and faith and bravery who else is going to write it there you go and it's not about me my, my thing is, my goal is maybe it can help somebody. Even if it helps one person, one family, one community. I'm, my mother would like that. Of course she would, Betty Ann. It's such a wonderful thing. I have to tell you, when, as the things that I've written, whether it was a private story or for publication or Huffington Post or whatever it was for, much like you, I've had emails where someone said to me, you helped me so much today, I can't tell you by reading that. And you think, really? But you know what? Everyone, people should write their stories because somebody needs to read it. That's what I'm convinced. It doesn't mean, you know, it. you just have to write it. That's all. But Anna, it's been brewing for you and you know you have to write it. And so you're going to do it. It's so fantastic. It's fantastic. 
Not well, to mention, it sounds to me like a movie. Honestly, it sounds to me like a movie. Well, he, he sent me, Mr. Tao sent me his memoir and his uh, uh, excerpts from his diary. And when I was reading it, you know, my mother never, my mother's generation who experienced World War II, they did not talk about the war. You're right. So, therefore, they did, but sketchily, you know, little bits and pieces that I had put together. And so when I was putting, I, I had to dig out all the notes I had, all the, all the old notebooks, all the journals, all the old letters. Yes. And I contacted whoever was still alive, who still remembered her. And I asked questions. And then slowly, the story emerged. I do not understand where she got the strength. She was a woman who was beautiful and single. She could have been caught. She could have been arrested. She could have been raped and killed. Absolutely. Absolutely. And also being beautiful. I mean, wasn't she very much, I'm, I'm not saying a socialite, but she was at the top of, she was where she was going to parties and balls. And I mean, her, most young women would not want to give up that to be sneaking into prison camp. A prison camp. Yes. Yes. Who wants that? And I, I strongly believe as I was writing this uh, memoir, I, I kept thinking to myself, when she found her brother and got him released, why didn't she stop there? I would. I know. I know. That's it. But she said she could not find it in her heart to not go back. She did had Willie, help. So did Willie get out of the prison yes. and live? He was yes, he was able to get out uh, released because of medical conditions. Okay. He was released to the Red Cross. She was able to arrange that. And she was able to arrange the release of his best friend and other uh, companions. The thing is, during World War II, Americans were the prized possession of the Japanese enemy. Yes. And my mother told me that Americans were treated worse than the Filipino soldiers. Okay. And that's where her compassion came from. She said she could not bear it. She could not bear seeing how badly the Americans were being treated. Yes. She's not American. I know. You're uh, <laughs> and a beautiful young woman. A beautiful young woman sneaking into prison camps to help others is pretty amazing. When you said, Betty, and this is something, and it's, again, people that listen to this, a lot of the people had parents that were in World War II. Yeah. Younger people, I don't, you know, when they, I, I mean, we asked my dad, we used to ask my father about the war when we were little kids. And he'd always, he didn't say much. Yes. He didn't say much. And my mother gave us pieces of it once in a while. Do you know that's, what I mean? The, yeah, that's what I had. Little bits. Mm. But I, and the only thing that I have when you mention all this, I have found it after my mother had died. There's a big brown bag folded perfectly with a big pink bow. And it was the letters my father wrote to my mother during World War II. I opened up one to read it and I had to put them back because I was crying. And I thought, I'm not sure I'm strong enough for this. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Because it's, and my mother is passed. So it's, but, you know, I asked my mother once because she went and this was just, she was not sneaking into prison camps. <laughs> <laughs> Betty Ann, I can't top your story and I'm not trying to. 
my mother, my father was stationed in Deming, New Mexico, because he taught flying. He taught bombardiers how to fly. And uh, the soldiers had to fly. And, but this was the part, my mother was living in San Francisco. She became pregnant from when the last time he'd been home. She decided that she would go and be with him in Deming, New Mexico, which he said, that's ridiculous. You can stay in San Francisco with my father. You'll be comfortable. You have a beautiful place to live. Don't be ridiculous. She got on the train, got herself to Deming, New Mexico. They had no place to live. She had no place to live because, um, because everything, the little tiny town had expanded with soldiers. And she walked around on a hot afternoon, pregnant, and knocked on people's doors and said, I'll do housework or take care of your children if you just give me a bed in your house. And she found a, a woman whose husband was in a prison camp who had two little children. And the woman took her in and said, you can have, share a room with my girls. You have to do light housekeeping and take care of the girls. My mother said she was pregnant out to here. I said, you must have been quite a sight. And she said, no, I think the woman felt so sorry for me. And she realized that I was you know, just an honest person. She lived there for two years, Betty Ann, and had her baby and took care of, took care of those two children, which she kept in touch with till the day she died. Do you know what I mean? But, wow. but when she told me that story, I remember sitting there looking at my little tiny perfect mother in her perfect house and thought she banged on strangers' doors to a place to sleep. She was committed to being close to my father. If you know what I mean? That's what it was. You she, do what I, you have to do. You do what you have to do. And I look back and I think, oh my God. She scrubbed floors and took care of someone else's children so she could be close to my dad. That was not how she, you know what I mean? That was yeah, not. It was out of character for her. Yeah, that was not what she how she had been raised, but she did it. I know. But during, yeah, but during wartime, you do things that you right. can't imagine. That's right. And finding the strength and the courage to do that—that that was always my question. Yeah. Recently, during the pandemic, you know, and you're on social media, and you're reading about all these people whining that we have to wear a mask, whining that we're on lockdown, and I'm thinking. Do you have any idea how fortunate we are to be on lockdown, That's right. watching Netflix? That's right. Baking cakes, baking bread. That's right. No, Betty, and that's something, and this is all part of, you know, in the changes that we're going through. One of the things that happens is, and this is just me, but I'm convinced, if you're not grateful for what you got, you're, ne you're never going to like your life. Do you know what I mean? That's yes. So I understand, I certainly understand the struggle of young people. I understand the struggle with young families and stuff, but you just said it. If you were still working and you're at home, I think smart people realize that COVID was a great time out in their lives. I love that men, I've had men friends that are in their 40s said, Denise, I had no idea what my wife's life was like until I had to work at home and take care of my kids. Yes. For the first time That's in their one thing. 20 yeah. years of marriage, they're cooking dinner, they're taking care of their kids. This is, it's not easy. No, it's not. It's life not. isn't easy. <laughs> no, it's not. You know, it, it, what do you it, it, are you going to self-publish? Yes, um, I've always indie published my books, uh, my peacock books, my history book, and my um, coloring book. And I'm indie publishing uh, this one. 
Good. Uh, every ounce of courage. And I, I hope to launch in the springtime. Excellent. Um, just before uh, Mother's Day. And uh, it, it will be a good time to to share with the world, you know, her story. My, my mother's story is timeless. You know, it, the, the it situation was unique to her. But but the uh, values and the lessons learned are timeless and, and universal. Um, all of us have gone through... My mother's life, not just during the war, but she went through a lot of tragedy. Even at five years old, she experienced tragedy already. And, and through her life, it, she had a privileged young life, and yet it was marred with tragedy. And then the war erupted. Yes. So, you know, that delayed a lot of things in her life because she had to stay uh, with my grandmother, who was a widow. Uh, my mother chose not to get married right away, even if she had so many suitors, because uh, Lola, is what we call our grandmother, was alone, and the house had just been bombed to the ground oh, God. during the Battle of Manila. So even my Uncle Willie, my Uncle Willie, who was the POW, was married to an American, and they were planning to, uh, he and Aunt Helen were planning to move to the United States to build their life and start their life. But all these things were put on hold. Yes. Because their their Lola's house had been bombed to the ground and they had to stay and help her rebuild and rebuild the house, rebuild their lives. And then through the years, my mother had gone through a lot of challenges and tragedies, not just during the war, but even after. Uh, then she met my father several years after in the course of... Um, organizing uh, charitable organizations. You know, she, she met my father when she wasn't planning to meet anyone or marry anyone. Uh, she had gone to the provinces to, to uh, organize a chapter of ELAC, Young Ladies Association of Charity, which she was president of. Uh, they were, uh, their, their organization was to build uh, public schools around the country with faith-based uh, with a faith-based curriculum. So she had gone to the province to organize this with the Catholic Women's League and the local chapter of, of young women. And so she had to stay. There were no, and you don't, as a young single woman in the 50s, you don't stay alone in a hotel. So she stayed no. with the, she stayed with the family uh, of a lawyer who was well-known in Tarlac, the, the, the province where we were from. And she met my father. He was the brother of the host. Okay, so she, my father had been a bachelor for a long time, and nobody actually thought that he was going to get married. <laughs> you know, he was he was a very down to earth uh, farmer person. He tilled the soil. He didn't even dress to impress, and now he meets this young socialite from the city, and he was smitten. He fell madly in love, and before she left for uh, back to Manila, back to the city. He wanted to give her a gift to, to, to express that he was interested in her. So he gave her a sack of rice. Rice. Not roses. He gave her rice, but it was his own harvest. Oh. So it meant a lot to him. And, you know, this is the Philippines recovering from World War. Of course. So uh, rice as produce was still very... Um, um, it was not yet readily available. The fields had been destroyed and rice had been confiscated by the enemy. 
So it was the first harvest of my father, and he gave a sack to my mother as a gift. And she, she was so impressed because she said all her life she has so many suitors who gave her roses and chocolates and expensive gifts and jewelry. Nobody gave her rice. Oh, God, ever. that makes me cry. So that, that's what, like, her heart started beating fast. And, you know, she, she said there was a spark. Yes. Yes. And, when you least, and, you know, that's life when you least expect it. So they, they got married, like, six months after they, they were engaged. They got married, you know, and a few years after they had me and later my sister. But all this, I, I wrote about all this. I, I shared glimpses of our lives in my mommy's life and every now and then they were speckled and marred with pain with tragedy and i always and i was i i had first hand witness to all of that in between we had we cooked together you know it's one of the things i shared with my mother we cooked together a lot and while cooking together she that was when she opened up and shared stories with me yes yes and that's what i wrote about Betty Ann, I'm looking in the story. I'm almost, I'm on the verge of tears. I think that this is amazing. Oh, and I'm you. so grateful that you are inspired to do it. I People that we have, our listeners, a lot of them are writers. A lot of them want to write cookbooks. A lot of them have written cookbooks. But anybody that's done it knows, and you were talking about all your research, um, it's, it's a lot of work. I mean, there's a great satisfaction when you finish, but writing is hard work. People, mm -hmm. don't, if, you, they, if people haven't done it, they don't know how much work it is, okay? It and is. to go on and publish yeah. it yourself is, is nothing short of impressive. Well, thank you. Um, I, I wanted control of the story. Yeah, I wanted yeah. ownership of the story. Yeah. That's why in the publish, because... <sighs> I don't want, nobody else owns that story but me. That's right. Good and for it will be my sons. There you go. And also, yeah, because publishing, the publishing world has changed, I mean, so much in the last 20 years. But mm -hmm. again, they want, I, I'm doing a similar thing. Not, it's not about my mother. I write some stories. Cindy will edit them for me. But I said to her, I don't know that I have to sell this as a book. That's not the plan at all. I think we're going to. And that's why I loved your website so much, because I could go right to your writings and read them. That's what my plan is for the stories I've been working on of my career to put them right off the Women Beyond a Certain Age website. But and people say, oh, but you won't make any money. I said, I don't need to make any money off them, but I don't want anyone to change them. Do you know what I mean? I don't want an editor to say, oh, you can't say that. Or yes. you, I don't want I don't want anybody's influence. I mean, I've done that in other books. You have to when you have a publisher and they say we're going to cut 20 pages or you need to rewrite this or that's all fine. When you want to sell the book, you have to do the dance for them. But the things I'm working on now, I said to Cindy, I don't care. if And if no one likes them, I don't care. I'm doing it for me. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, I. I know that my mother would have liked me to share her stories of strength and courage and stories yes. about family and food. Yes. Like that. She loved to entertain. I cannot tell you how she really loved to entertain. And it was the most, you know, one of the best experiences I remember how she prepared uh, a 
full course spread, not just one dish, not yeah. just two, a spread of dishes for for friends from the yes. city who will come over. Yes. And to this day, I am in touch and I'm still good friends with the children of my mother's friends. And they remember the stories. They remember stopping by Hello. the house and, and tasting all these dishes. And I, I, I have a few recipes of mom at the end of the, of the memoir to good. share. And I'm trying to make it as easy as possible because, of course. you know, times have evolved and we don't have 20 hours to cook one dish. And you know what, Betty, you said it so well. Even when I have, like I did make, I baked some sourdough during the um, pandemic, and, the lockdown. And, and, yes. Yeah. And some of it was pretty good. And and I still have some starter, but sometimes I just think to myself, I don't feel like baking for three hours today. And it was a quick sourdough recipe. My, my cooking has changed. I mean, it's just like everybody else. Uh, there's certain things that I make. And I take a long time to make. And there's certain things I go to Trader Joe's and buy this already done and put it in with my pot roast and it tastes great. And that I'm it's good. And you know what I mean? It's yes. good. But I don't feel like cooking for 10 or 15 hours like I used to either. Oh, I, I understand. I hear you. You know, one of the recipes that I'm sharing actually uh, inspired by mom. It's a chicken recipe. And then when I've been cooking it here in the house, my, my sons, who now cook very well, better than me, my sons have also tried to adapt their own changes. Great. In it to make it to, to make things go faster because you know they, they are they they're not anymore millennials, they keep reminding me they're beyond <laughs> millennials. But they tell me, Mom, we don't have time to cook every night. That's right. We come home to the apartment. That's right. So they cook on weekends and they tell me that the recipes i've taught them they have adapted it to the to their day-to-day -day experience their to their lives yes right. what they can find uh, how much time they have you know and they result it, it results in the same thing the same flavors yes but quicker but quicker thank yes. you Miss Betty, and I have to tell you something. I want people to go to your website, the Queer, Queerno Kitchen. The Carino Kitchen. Yeah. Carino. Carino. The Arino. I love the way it sounds when you say it. <laughs> I want them to go to your website. Of course, we'll have it up. We also have some recipes that Cindy will put up and we will yes. broadcast. And if people want to reach out to Cindy and I, you say uh, womenbeyond at iCloud.com. You can ask us questions. And maybe you'll come back in the spring after you've finished your book. And yes, we could do a little it. we could do a little reading from it, or we could some pick some put some pictures of your mom yes. up on the website. I would love it in hopes that people buy it. Her wedding gown is beautiful. I bet. Honey, the picture of she and her best friend as young women are just yes. it's stunning. It's, oh. it's I know. My, my my her best friend was my godmother Titanini, and Titanini died last year at one hundred years old. Hundred years old. Yeah. So when she died, it was mom. You know, your mom's best friend is also like your mother. So it felt like losing my mother all over again. I'm sure that that I, I still pray for her and I pray to her every night and every day, twice a day, like I pray for my parents. And you know, it's I when I cook mommy's dishes i feel closer a little closer to that to those times when 
they were still here with us. That's why food is the food is a tapestry in our life. Betty, yes. it's the reach back into your history, and it's so terribly important. And you have passed it on to your boys. Well, thank you, madam. Well, thank you for having me on Women Beyond, and I enjoyed being here thank twice. You. This is the thank second you. time. I love it. It thank goes you. so fast. I know it does go fast. Cindy, thank you so much. As always, Cindy, the engineer, the producer, the technical guru handles all this. And again, if you want to reach out to us, it's womenbeyond at iCloud.com. Send us a message, tell us a story, or if you think that you would be a great guest or have someone who would be a great guest, by all means, tell us. We get sent. Now, Betty Ann, we're so grateful. We get sent. I mean, I have some wonderful friends. We still need to come on the podcast, but we get sent interesting guests from other people. So I'm totally appreciative of it. Thank you, madam. Thank you, Cindy. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You're welcome, honey. Bye. Bye, everyone. Take care.